are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at the Draft Network, and lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. And today is your show. It's Power to the Pod. The Dolphins fans, whatever is on your mind, courtesy of iTunes reviews, questions on social media, hashtag power to the pod with your question every single week. We get some mock drafts, we got some topical stuff, and that's where we need to start today because the Dolphins reportedly made a bit of a splash yesterday afternoon. Reports coming out from multiple sources that the Dolphins have traded, agreed in principle to a trade, to send a 2021 seventh-round pick to the Tennessee Titans for a 2022 seventh-round pick and the number 29 pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson, who was drafted one spot ahead of where the Dolphins drafted Noah Igbenogany with the 30th overall selection, which begs the question... Had Isaiah Wilson been on the clock at that draft selection, would the Dolphins have drafted Isaiah Wilson? We'll never know. Uh, But what we do know is the Dolphins now have both players on the roster. This is, in the grand scheme of things, a, a lottery ticket for the Miami Dolphins. I think that's the most important thing uh, to remember. This is not the first time the Dolphins have bet or gambled is probably the the more accurate way to put it, on a first-round flop under this regime. Remember, this is the same exact playbook that the Dolphins had with the Josh Rosen deal. Now, obviously, they traded a late two for Josh Rosen versus a seventh in a pick swap for Isaiah Wilson. But Isaiah Wilson, his presence on the roster offers some exciting hope for the offensive tackle, the right tackle spot. If Isaiah Wilson lives up to his potential and what he can be as a run blocker, him and Robert Hunt, whoever's playing center, and presumably Solomon Kinley at left guard, you can move a lot of grown men against their wills. And that's that's the first thing I want to take away from the Isaiah Wilson trade is the trend line that we're seeing with Miami Dolphins acquisitions along the offensive line. They have a type. They very clearly have a type. I wrote this originally for Dolphins Wire last May. And it covered, after the 2020 NFL Draft, this regime had brought in seven offensive linemen of significance via either trade, free agency, or the NFL Draft. Those players were four via the draft, Michael Dieter, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley, one via trade, Julian Davenport in the... Laramie Tunsil deal, and two in free agency, Ted Karras and Eric Flowers. The average weight of those seven offensive linemen is 320.7 pounds. Isaiah Wilson is 350 pounds. It's a trend. They like density on the offensive line. You already knew that. But did you know about their lower body affinity along the offensive line? Of the players brought in that group of seven, none tested lower than the 70th percentile 
in the standing broad jump, which is commonly used as one of the measures of lower body power and explosiveness. Isaiah Wilson jumped 110 inches in the standing broad jump, 88th percentile of offensive tackles at the NFL Combine, and did so at 350 pounds. Any of these 300-pound offensive linemen with no mass in their lower half, they're not going to move the needle for the Dolphins. The Dolphins want big, dense, explosive bodies to move somebody from point A to point B against their will. It is now official. And Isaiah Wilson is just the icing on the cake. He's the next most prominent offensive line acquisition. This is now eight offensive linemen of note. So if you're reviewing some of these potential candidates for the Dolphins, you can look through the scope of what's his size? Does he have lower body explosive? The answer is yes. Put him on the radar for the Dolphins. They'll probably be interested, including Penny Sewell. That's the next transition and segue here. Before we get to power to the pod, obviously this Isaiah Wilson fallout and ramifications here are, are significant. Saw lots of questions in the queue for Power to the Pod. Does the acquisition of Isaiah Wilson preclude you from drafting Penny Sewell with the number three overall pick if that was the direction the Dolphins were going to choose to go? The presence of Isaiah Wilson uh, changes nothing for me, in my opinion. And here's why. Yes, Isaiah Wilson is going to be on the roster for the 2021 season. You look at the guaranteed money from his rookie contract and what the Dolphins are on the hook for. I have a really hard time envisioning they took on a pick swap so that they could take on over $5 million in guarantees just to cut him in training camp. I doubt that's going to happen. He's going to be on the roster this year. But if you look at the missteps off the field that Isaiah Wilson has taken... Uh, multiple stops on the COVID reserve list in 2020 because he couldn't conduct himself in a way that prevented himself from exposing himself to risk. He was at a party in August at Tennessee State University and was reportedly ready to jump off a second-story balcony to leave the party once police showed up. September, automobile accident. Arrested for DUI while doing donuts in downtown Nashville and wrecked his car. October, another automobile accident that totaled his vehicle. December, suspension by the Titans for a violation of team rules. And a New Year's Eve party on a yacht while his team was getting ready for a win-or-go-home matchup in Week 17. There is a number of things that Isaiah Wilson, the person needs to get in order before the Dolphins rely on him for anything whatsoever. Now, the good news, Brian Flores is a very good relationships coach, and he actually went to the same high school as Isaiah Wilson did. So there is a connection here. Brian Flores is going to be able to relate to Isaiah Wilson probably better than any head coach in the NFL. If anybody's going to get his head on straight, it's going to be Brian Flores. So that's okay. You know, the cap ramifications. Uh, his, his cap hit in 2021 is less than $1.2 million. That cost to finance a seventh round pick for, for 12 months, for as 
powerful of a road grader as Isaiah Wilson is in the run game, Dolphins willing to take that chance. I applaud them for doing so and not being committed to strictly choir boys or boy scouts or whatever cliche you want to use for guys who stay out of trouble. He's clearly gifted, and he has the uncoachables. He's got 35-inch arms. He's 350 pounds. He had the 88th percentile on the standing broad jump, which is a box that the Dolphins very clearly like to check. But Isaiah Wilson has to prove he's reliable off the field before the Dolphins can rely on him for anything on the field. As a result, he's not precluding me from doing anything. If Penny Sewell is my top available player, they can't find a dance partner, and they want to pick at three and you want to go in that direction, so be it. So be it. Last but not least on the Isaiah Wilson front, the financial implications. 2021, $1.135 million. 2022, $1.661 million. 2023, $2.187 million. According to SpotTrack.com, the 2021 and 22 salaries are guaranteed. And half of his 2023 salary is guaranteed. Which means in grand total money, $5.384 million. And of that, just under $4 million of that is guaranteed money according to SpotTrack. So just over $5 million in cash commitments. Just under $4 million in guaranteed money to work with. And that number drops significantly uh, under $3 million after this season. So one-year rental at worst. And at best, you've got the number 29 pick in the 2020 NFL Draft on your roster at a position that the Dolphins, or in a position room, I should say, that the Dolphins were clearly not content to just let things proceed without making additional rolls of the dice and investments. Football season may be over, but there are plenty of ways to get in on sports gambling action. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. Plus, Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real-time updated odds and props on just about anything and everything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts promo code locked on. So I would imagine that I've cut down on a significant number of the 50 plus Twitter questions alone uh, that came through regarding Power to the Pod this week. We're going to start on iTunes reviews. We're going to do our best to keep trucking, work our way through as many questions as we possibly can. If I do not get to your question, as always, swing over to DolphinsWire.com. Make sure you check that out. I like to take some of these other questions that I don't get to here on the show and turn them into written content because if you have good questions, you deserve to be rewarded for that and have those talked about in some dynamic. So I do my best to get as many as possible. With that said, we're off. First iTunes review question comes from BFJ. It is a mock draft. Trade with the Eagles. Give three and a 2022 fourth. 
for 637 70 2022 first and 2022 third. I think you're getting a little greedy, to be honest. Three spots for a one, two, three, a one next year, and a three next year. Let's cut down on that a little bit. Let's say we get 637, the one next year, and take out the 470 and the third next year for Philadelphia. So anyway, six, Jalen Waddle. Yes, I'm on board. We'll talk about Jalen Waddle here in just a second. 18, Gregory Rousseau, defensive end, defensive lineman, Miami Hurricanes. Depends on who else is available. I would rather have Jalen Phillips, but Rousseau I do think is tailor-made uh, for this style of defense. This, this, these Belichickian disciples will love Gregory Rousseau, I think. Trade 36 for Tyler Lockett. Use 37 on Javante Williams. I don't know if Seattle will actually move Tyler Lockett, especially we need to figure out what they're doing with Russ Wilson. But I like the idea. If he's available, I'm comfortable with that move. Uh, That's a really good addition. So Waddle and Lockett really helps revive uh, the wide receiver room. Javante Williams... Obviously, he's one of the big three running backs this year. I think that's a good add. Landon Dickerson at 50. Sean Wade at 7. I'm out on Sean Wade. His film this year was a disaster. The safety slash corner, nickel corner from Ohio State. But I love what you did at 81 with Tyler Shelvin. Uh, If I had to give this a grade, I'm going to cut down on your mock returns a little bit, but I like the fact that you traded back. I like the fact that you got Waddle, Lockett, this is a B-plus draft, in my opinion. Okay, Woody Korn. Still not over Miami missing the playoffs last season. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Man, you and me both. Tough pill to swallow. Which of the following would have best helped the Dolphins clinch a wild card spot? Byron Jones does not get hurt. Preston Williams does not get hurt. Ryan Fitzpatrick remains the starter the entire season. Oh, boy. Um... I genuinely think Miami wins the first Buffalo game if Byron Jones plays. I genuinely believe that. I'm not a huge fan of Preston Williams, to be completely honest. And the Dolphins win 6-3 and three with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think they beat the Chiefs. I don't think they, played, they beat the Bills. Well, Fitzpatrick had COVID, so he couldn't play against the Bills. So that's the same. You lost to the Chiefs and you lost to Denver. That was it. Those were the losses with Tua. Uh, do I think Fitzpatrick would have slipped up somewhere along the way? Yeah. So I'm going to go A, Byron Jones, uh, because I think that really handcuffed them against Buffalo and, and put them in a bad spot, put Nick Bittenogany out there as much as they did. Onyx. Here's what I'm hoping happens. April's draft finally rise. We rocked the seven rounds. I'm taking talking about trading three and grabbing a 2022 first and et cetera. Then in August, Texans realize they can't change Deshaun Watson's mind. We trade two 2022 ones, one 2022 two, and two for Watson. Do you think that something could happen along these lines? Um, I think if you are in the camp of wishing to see Deshaun Watson get traded, and come to Miami, which I know is is not the vocal majority of Dolphins fans. They still want to build around Tua Tagovailoa and have faith in Tua Tagovailoa. And we'll get into some Twitter questions about Tua specifically here in just a second. But 
if you are of the camp of wanting to see Watson come to Miami, a trade out of three, a full draft, and then trade is the best case scenario because it alleviates a lot of the concerns that current Dolphins fans have about the current state of the rosters. Oh, it's no better off than what Houston is, and, and he'd come here and you know we'd be capped and, and not have the ability to... Well, that goes away, in my opinion, if you have a full draft this year, especially if you trade back. That's how I view it. That would be the ideal scenario in the event that Deshaun Watson becomes a Miami Dolphin. Next shot. Keep up the great work, Kyle. I love the show. Oh, there's no question here. Thanks, man. Thanks for the review. Dan Esquire, power to the pod, five stars. If you could only select prospects from one school this upcoming draft, excluding Bama, who would it be? For me, it's easily Carolina. I'll hang up and listen. Always appreciate your thoughts and opinions. That is tough. Okay. Um, So I can't do Bama. North Carolina gives you Javante Williams at running back. It gives you wide receivers Diami Brown and Daz Newsome, which is a fun duo. I think that duo could really do well in Miami. It gives you linebacker Chaz Surratt, who was at House of Athletes Combine in Weston this past weekend that I had the chance to attend to. Um, not super taken. I might take Ohio State, to be honest with you. I wish I got more wide receivers. I'd probably lean heavy into wide receivers and free agency in this case, but you get Josh Myers at center. You get Wyatt Davis at guard. You get Trey Sermon at running back. You get Baron Browning, linebacker. You get uh, Pete Warner, linebacker. Justin Hilliard, special teams guy, also a linebacker. Sean Wade, who I'm out on, like I said, but at least he's eligible. I think Ohio State gives you a lot to work with. You would just have to go free agency for the wide receivers. Art. Kyle, could you explain what separates Jalen Waddle from Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase for you? My extensive five minutes of YouTube highlight research makes it seem like he's more of a speed receiver, and I was under the impression we wanted somebody who could beat press man coverage and get open early in the route. Thanks. Um, yeah, so I, I've had a couple questions about Jalen Waddle, uh, not just in Power to the Pop, but also Twitter DMs and questions and so on and so forth. And you got to watch the All-22 to get a real full appreciation of what Jalen Waddle brings to the offense. Uh, Alabama was out of their minds this past year as far as scheming open looks, scheming targets, attacking coverages with specific concepts and putting a guy out there in a specific role to run a specific route and beat what the opposing team can do. But if you watch the first four games of the season, before Jalen Waddle got hurt against Tennessee, Jalen Waddle beat man coverage with more consistency regardless of whether or not he was the primary read on the play or regardless of whether or not he got targeted. Jalen Waddle won more reps against coverage than what Devontae Smith did. But it's hard to get an appreciation for that because Devontae Smith was the volume receiver. Jalen Waddle was the big play guy. So yes, you go over the top, you run up the seam. But even the presence of Jalen Waddle, much like the presence of like what a Will Fuller would do, 
when you're playing zone defense and you have a player with that kind of speed, the proverbial take the top off the defense, you're lifting coverage. So you're lifting those corners in zone. If they're going to zone you up, they have to play softer. They have to give you more space. The second level, the B level, has to get more depth to be able to take away those intermediate throws. And what's a byproduct, even if you are not getting thrown to, all of a sudden you've got three or four more yards of cushion on the B level of the defense for anything that happens underneath to break more angles, create more missed tackles, create more chunk plays. How many times do you see the Dolphins face a team that just stuck everybody inside at 12 yards and called it a day? You can't do that with a guy like Jalen Waddle. So there's an impact that Jalen Waddle brings to the field from his speed dynamic that, yes, he, you know, he hit a ton of home runs at Alabama. But that speed correlates to more space underneath, and it also correlated, in my opinion, to winning more reps against man coverage, both early, intermediate, and deep. So if you watch the All-22 of Alabama's offense, he's winning all over the place. He's just not getting thrown the ball all the time. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're looking for engine control modules, brake parts, taillight, motor oil, new carpet, you name it for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Switching gears to Twitter questions to bring us to a close today. Devin wants to know about Isaiah Wilson. That's the question. Run with it. Love the show. You got 10 minutes of it to open. Home run pitch, if the Jacksonville Jaguars took Travis Etienne in the first round and both Najee Harris and Javante Williams were gone by 36, would you send 36 to Jacksonville for James Robinson? I would not send 236 to Jacksonville for James Robinson. James Robinson is a very good between-the-tackles power runner. He had great fantasy football numbers last year. I do not think he correlates well at all to shotgun offense. And the Dolphins, I think, are going to continue to run a lot of gun. I do not think Javante Williams is going to be that good of a fit in Urban Meyer's offense. I think you can get him for much, 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 much cheaper than 36. The guy was a UDFA last year, and he runs 4.65. If I'm giving up 36, I'm expecting a really good back. James Robinson was the perfect storm of opportunity meets strength of play. Doug Marone offense, three yards in a cloud of dust, meets Leonard Fournette getting cut and injury to Tyquan Armstead. Danny Leon, Kyle Pitts, that's the tweet. I'm going to parlay that with JD. I hate the idea of taking Pitts. I get what people love in him. Can you compare him to the first-round wide receivers? Like, is he one for us? Let's pretend he was a wide receiver through college and coming into the draft. How does he stack up? I think Kyle Pitts 
gets off the line of scrimmage against press and inside the contact window better than Jamar Chase does. He's that good at it as far as physicality and quickness and intent with his release package and creating space for himself. He's not going to run as fast as the other guys, but I've seen him ISO'd in three by one and run slants off the backside. He'll get soft coverage and he'll kind of give you this Euro hezzy and then accelerate and stack linebackers over the middle of the field. Uh, he wins contested catches on the outside just like Jamar Chase does, but instead of being like six foot six one like Jamar Chase is, Kyle Pitts is legit six foot five. I can tell you on my personal draft board, the way that I have currently ranked the entirety of the 2021 NFL draft. And this is not through a dolphin slant, but I would look at it the same way as in a dolphin slant. Kyle Pitts is my third overall player in this draft. Jalen Waddle's my fourth. Jamar Chase is my sixth. Again, through not a Dolphin slant. Devontae Smith is my 16th. So you'd have a hard time going wrong with any of these top pass-catching options, but I do think Kyle Pitts, and I graded him as a wide receiver because I didn't want to dock him too hard for blocking. And when you grade him as a tight end, I've got two categories that summarize blocking uh, in both pass protection and run blocking. So I graded him as a wide receiver, and I think he stacks up. Is he the most clear and obvious, quote-unquote, separator? No. Is that going to be a roadblock for Tua Tagovailoa? Maybe. But I think Kyle Pitts' versatility is going to give you enough matchups from opposing teams that he's going to be able to win reps early. Vagard wants to know if we address nickel corner in the middle rounds, who is my favorite Options. This is a great question. I love talking about corners. By the way, the Dolphins uh, exercised uh, their right to tender three restricted free agents, including Jamal Perry and Nick Needham at corner and linebacker Calvin Munson. Favorite cor- nickel options. It starts with Elijah Molden from Washington, 5'10", 191. Asante Samuel Jr., 5'10", 184. I think is probably going to end up being a nickel guy. Ambry Thomas from Michigan, six foot one ninety. Shakur Brown from Michigan State, six foot one eighty. Those are corner prospects that I like. The only one I take in the top one hundred is Elijah Mold and Asante Samuel Jr. Everybody else is a day three prospect at nickel, but right now we're rolling with a undrafted free agent at nickel. I wouldn't sleep on Joshua Bledsoe, the safety from Missouri, as a potential nickel safety option. Ardarius Washington from TCU, 5'8", 179, a little undersized. But he's got some upside there. And man, I just watched Trevon Morag from TCU, the free safety. And if the Dolphins part ways with Bob McCain, it doesn't sound like they're going to. But if they did... I would want Morick bad. Badly. He is very, very, very good. Chris wants to know if I'm planning on doing it best and worst. Uh, free agent signings of the Chris Greer era. Kind of like what we did this past Monday for draft picks. Yeah, let's put that on the docket. Let's put that on the docket. Love the show. This is Joe Ray. With the first three picks of the draft, would you rather have Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, Richie Grant, the safety from UCF, or... 
Penny Sewell, Rashad Bateman, and Baron Browning, the linebacker from Ohio State. I'll tell you what. I watched Baron Browning in TD and cross checks this past weekend uh, with Joe Marino and one of the NFL externship program players that we have working with us this spring uh, at the Draft Network. His name's Andrew Dow. And uh, Andrew plays linebacker. We watch Baron Browning. Browning is the linebacker for the Dolphins. The linebacker for the Dolphins. I'm all in on him being a fit for Miami. You get him at 36. I think the Dolphins would probably gravitate towards Sewell, Bateman, Browning because you're not using one of those premier picks on a running back. We know they seem to like Najee Harris. We know they seem to like Travis Etienne. But they liked backs last year, and they didn't pick one in the top 50. I know it's not sexy. I really want Jalen Waddle on this football team. Uh, but give me that Sewell, Bateman, Browning group out of those two duos. Andrew, this is shaping up to be one of the most fascinating off-seasons in recent memory. I hear a lot of hot, takey things regarding Tua and his so-called limitations. Why so much negative scrutiny? I think the uh, the Tua dynamic and the criticism around Tua, in my opinion, stems from Dolphins fans were told for 18 months that Tua Tagovailoa was the savior of the franchise and the only acceptable outcome to turn this franchise around. That sets very unfair expectations on what Tua Tagovailoa is going to be when he gets into town, and he didn't live up to that level of expectation. He didn't. He'll tell you that himself. Does that make him a bust? No. But from the expectations of Tua is this savior of the franchise, and maybe he is, but maybe he isn't. And we as Dolphins fans can't afford to let ourselves get tunnel vision into any singular outcome at any position. Because if it doesn't work out that way, what are we going to do? We're going to make excuses like if Tua Tagovailoa doesn't work out are we going to blame Chris Greer and Brian Flores for ruining his confidence because of the Deshaun Watson rumors this offseason in which the Dolphins have done nothing publicly other than make statements of confidence around Tua Tagovailoa it's tough uh, i do think Tua has a lot of room to improve as far as getting through his reads with consistency and seeing the field He'll tell you that himself. And understanding what open looks like in the NFL, he'll tell you that himself. I'm excited to see what year two looks like for Tua. But I think the expectations of tank for Tua campaign and over a year of this name over and over and over and over again, Dolphins fans getting bludgeoned with it. It's Tua. It's got to be Tua. Tua is the guy. Tua is the answer. And then he comes out and he, he doesn't play like Justin Herbert from a production standpoint, that's tough. Tone total. Would you rather sit in the Dolphins' war room on draft night and Chris Greer asks for your input, but in exchange, you can't watch a Dolphins game live for one year? Love the show, and it gets me through the offseason. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, yes, I would do that. I would exchange live viewings of Dolphins games if they're playing at 1 o'clock, I'll put it on at 4.15. I don't care about any of the 4.15 games. If I get to sit in on that and have those conversations with Chris, 
somebody with a wise-ass answer here. I'd rather give Chris advice. Stop it. We did it yesterday on the show. Chris has drafted well for this team. Mike wants to know why Landon Dickerson's injuries don't concern you. Why not equally as established option as Creed Humphrey instead? Or value picks like Quinn Miners or Aaron Banks? The coaching staff had the latter two playing guard and center at Mobile. I like all these players. Um, I think the pedigree and the chemistry with Tua and, and working with, with Dickerson at Alabama and the chemistry between your center uh, is valuable. It's the most valuable thing. And that's why he's the one that I've kind of gravitated towards. Yes, his injuries are a concern. But so is the fact that Creed Humphrey kind of plateaued two years ago. So is the fact that Quinn Miners played at Wisconsin-Whitewater. I don't care how look how good he looked in the Senior Bowl. He didn't play college football last year, and he played D3. That's a red flag. Aaron Banks, I think he's probably best at guard. Maybe he can snap, I don't know. In a game setting, anyway. So I, I don't mean to make it sound as though I'm glossing over Landon Dickerson's injuries. But I think if you look at their total body of works and resumes and what they could offer the Dolphins with the current trajectory of the team, Dickerson is the one I like the most for Miami to work with and hoping he can stay healthy. A professional button pusher, given your wide receiver rankings at TDN and assuming a trade back with Carolina or Denver, would you rather draft Devontae Smith first up, wait until 18 for Rashad Bateman, Terrence Marshall Jr., Kadarius Toney, or leave wide receiver entirely out of the first round and address it on day two? If I could get Rashad Bateman at 18, you can guarantee me that. I'd be really interested in going that route. Uh, the issue is if I'm trading out of three, but I'm not taking a wide receiver with that pick at eight or nine, who the hell am I taking there? That's kind of a weird spot. Penny Sewell will be gone. I don't think Rayshon Slater takes checks the boxes unless you're drafting him as a center for the Dolphins. I'm not taking Christian Darisol that early. Am I taking Micah Parsons there, a linebacker in the top 10? That's kind of weird too. I mean, I got Devontae Smith rated... 16th, and I think I have Rashad Bateman on my personal board rated. I'll tell you, I got it right here. God, I'm dumb. I've got Devontae Smith rated 16th, and I have Rashad Bateman graded 19th. Uh, so comparable players, maybe, maybe it is Devontae Smith in that scenario. Last question for the day here on the show. Derek, we always talk about draft picks when discussing trades with Carolina. Is there any chance they'd be willing to give up a guy like Brian Burns or DJ Moore to move up from number eight? Would you like any of those or choose any of the players? Yeah, I'd choose DJ Moore in a heartbeat. I'd choose Brian Burns in a heartbeat. I think they're both very good. And the fact that I would be willing to choose them in a heartbeat uh, is probably indicative that Carolina is not likely to give either one of those guys up because they are blue chip, young talents, on rookie contracts. That's valuable. It'd be different if you just signed DJ Moore to play for $16 million a year and you have a chance to go out and get a quarterback and you want to transition and reset. Uh, but these are guys that are cheap. They're cheap and good. And because of that, I don't think they'd probably be somebody 
that Carolina would be too interested in moving on. It's, I think that's why you hear Christian McCaffrey be a name that's tied to trade rumors with Carolina because they're giving him $18 million a year. Yeah, I'd try and trade him too, especially when the offense is less congested because you feel less obligated to just feed one guy the football when he's not on the field. That's going to do it for us today on the show. You guys brought the heat. I hope I delivered. Hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Hope to talk with you guys again tomorrow. we got three more shows this week, and then free agency next week, a week from tomorrow. Players can be officially signed Monday. The negotiation window opens. Going to be lots of madness taking place. Keep it locked in right here on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.